Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. Today we are talking about anxiety. <laughs> uh, and I, we've chosen it, Karen, because we're seeing a slew of clients coming in who can't get a deep breath mm-hmm. uh, consistently throughout their day, who are functioning or not functioning uh, at about a 7 or an 8 out of 10 on a, on a good day. Oh, and some feel like they can't even get out of the house or out of their out of their bedroom. Yeah, there's a consistent feeling of not being able to put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. And we're noticing, I won't say patterns, but just numbers and numbers of people who are experiencing the same feelings. Mm-hmm. And through sessions, yes, they have individual messages as to why they personally are experiencing anxiety. However, there's there's global stuff going on too. So I think through this show, you and I are hoping to talk about individual reasons, um, whether it's lifestyle or gifts opening up, Mm -hmm. which will be a very big contributing factor, but also the global things. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to go back to Kelly because, you know, last night when we were just sitting down and you were experiencing anxiety Mm -hmm. um, and I was saying things to you like, yeah, I went through that 15 years ago. I went through that when I was in my 20s and I was shutting down the gifts. Um, and then I went through it again when I was around 40 and then again around like 2001, um, around 35 years old. And then it, like all th- at different times in my life. And I remember little things like not being able to go to the bank, um, being like feeling anxiety and anxiousness, like a panic attack was going to happen to me in the bank. I remember being lightheaded dizzy and very like all the same symptoms of panic attacks so yes it could be described as having a panic attack almost feeling like I had a panic disorder can I I I like that you're giving personal examples and I'm willing to do the same but can I jump in and just clarify that the it wasn't specific to the bank yeah you had mentioned to me that it was public places yes. and places that had lineups yes and and I want to point that out because I want to put our finger on the thing that triggers or the thing that exacerbates. Yeah. I would because you- someone might think, well, I don't go into a bank. I do online or yeah. I do drive through. Um, but the point is that you are in a public place. So if they can draw their own parallel to a different setting, yeah. then they can also draw their own parallel to the tool. Well, and I, I had anxiety going for walks if I had to stop at a red light and that was at a busy intersection. Mm. So if it was just at a busy intersection, I started recognizing that it was just my fear of being seen. Mm-hmm. And I... Oh, it's such a good one. Yeah, it was the fear of being seen, which coincides, and it took me a while, it took me years to figure this out, but it coincided with the past lives of when you have these gifts of being seen. Or burned. Or burned, or hung for it, or tortured for it, or taken from your family, exiled or or you're allowed to stay in your community but you're shunned Mm -hmm. or you walk into places and people look at you and they're talking about you but it's not nice so they're like some of the stuff of the anxiety that I was experiencing in the current life had to do with the gifts opening and the fear of those gifts being known to other people um, or them even suspecting in me that I had these gifts but it was triggered by what had happened to me from past lives. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized that, and that took some journeying, that took those abilities within me as a shaman to be able to journey into some other lifetimes to figure out what triggered 
the panic. Why at certain times in my life, at certain ages, Mm -hmm. or in certain circumstances, that I was experiencing an increase in the anxiety, or an increase in the feelings of panic. Um, And like I said, relating that to being seen, to be to people knowing about me. And, And because, you know, maybe at other times, it was I was um, successful in hiding it. Mm-hmm. So if I thought I was successful in hiding it, I was just quiet or I was just doing other things, then I felt safer. Well, I think that speaks to a lot of people who classify themselves as introverts, mm-hmm. where they avoid public places, they avoid social gatherings, even with people they like. Mm-hmm. I know I was just saying to one of my coaching clients last night, She's experiencing extreme anxiety and I was just saying, you know, your gifts are starting to open. We had a big conversation prior to that and we talked about an important tool being uh, recognizing if she liked schedules and they brought her uh, peace or if schedules made her more anxious because depending on your personality, they can generate different feelings. And I remembered saying to her, if social time is important to you to stay connected, then Use that to your advantage when you know if schedules work for you. So if you like your morning routine of getting up at seven, going out for a walk, having breakfast by eight, and that gets you up and feeling good, but scheduling social things in the evening causes you panic because you want to be in your home and in your pajamas or on the couch by six, then put your social things in the afternoon or early morning when you have the energy to be out in public. Maybe it involves sun being out because that's a big one too. Uh, and avoid later later social settings or later um, gatherings where you're in public so that you can kind of protect yourself at different parts of the day when you know the anxiety is heightened. Okay. My Okay. Are we still going back and forth? Well, I hope, I hope so. Okay. Um, I noticed when the gifts were opening that I could, I, I really struggled in restaurants mm-hmm. and I struggled in uh, like where alcohol was served. Mm-hmm. So if it was a restaurant um, bar or I don't know, you, everybody knows restaurants that have alcohol and those that don't. So let's skip that part. But just meaning that when other people were getting drunk, um, my anxiety and the gifts opened more. I could see more of the spirit world. But in alignment with that, my anxiety increased as well. Mm-hmm. Well, or, and I can I explain this? Because mm-hmm. I think I think you're you're touching on something that's really important that people don't want to think about because alcohol is so widely accepted in our culture as a social acceptability. I'm not sure when when you're around people who are drinking, they have voluntarily put a different kind of spirit into their body that pulls them out of alignment with their true self. True. So for you as an empath, and I'm saying you as the listeners, mm-hmm. for you as an empath to be around someone who has allowed themselves to be pulled outside of themselves, you are witnessing and experiencing that person's anxiety mm-hmm. as well as your own because you're seeing or having an inner knowing of what that type of spirit does to your own. Did I say that okay? I'm going to leave that whether you said it okay or not, because people will hear need to hear it in different ways to understand it. So go okay. on. No, I just wanted to go back to you because you were saying that you struggled in, in oh. places where alcohol was served. So I went into the bathroom. Mm. So I was always looking to get into a washroom. So if it was a restaurant, I'd always have to get up and excuse myself because I could feel the anxiety coming. 
I could feel what was happening. So empathically, I'm picking up on other people's stuff. There are more people, there's alcohol. So there's this whole experience of like you said, not them being themselves. So some people get louder. So then I started noticing that because of the empathy and the gifts and hearing the spirit world, that I also felt more sensitive to sound. So if it was a bar and the music was louder and louder, because you know, in a bar, the music gets louder as the night goes on, they just keep turning it up and up and up. Mm -hmm. Then as that turned up and up, then my gifts would open more, but I had a sensitivity to the sound. So it's like somebody having a, like, um, an open sore yes, and somebody coming along and taking a little ice pick and just scraping it right down all that raw skin. Mm-hmm. Or uh, so I'm, I'm saying that it's abrasive, that it's that you feel the hurt. Yeah. And I think this is really cool. And this I've been saying this for years. It feels like every nerve ending is exposed. That's why I said raw skin. So thank you. But I think a lot of people will hear this and go, well, I don't understand how sound grates on your a physical nerve. Right. And it, because if you're that disconnected from your own body, they won't know. Right. But oh, we say that again. If you're that disconnected from your own body, you won't understand what's happening. There you go. Or the discomfort that you might be feeling. And people need to hear that because if they try to explain it to somebody else and that person doesn't understand your conversation, you're trying to get somebody to understand you who is that disconnected. And that's going to be a dead end conversation for you. Because if they don't know how to connect themselves, they can't figure out what you're going through. Which means they can't empathize. That's right. Which means they don't know how to help you. So they're not your person. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying energy healers are. Because, and, and not all, because not all energy healers are empathic, but you need to find one that is. You need to find one that is empathic and one that understands these gifts. Or a friend. Yes. It, uh, yeah, depending on what your... I don't want to say lifestyle is, but depending on what your resources are around you, mm-hmm. reach out to someone who actually understands empathy mm-hmm. and who can, who is that attuned and present with you in that moment to see that you're struggling and who is emotionally intelligent enough to ask if you're okay and what you need mm-hmm. because they don't have to fully understand it, but they have to at least be able to recognize discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. Like they don't have to be empaths themselves. They just need to be caring. Yeah, we and I think this is really cool. People don't have to be in your reality to empathize with it. Yeah. They just have to be willing to hear that you're experiencing a different reality. Right. And then care for you. Yes. When I think of people in healthcare, and, and not all of them, but we hope that the people in healthcare don't necessarily know what your broken back feels like or what your disease feels like. But if if they're doing their job, and if they're caring, then they're still asking you and trying to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody who says, I don't get it, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you, or I don't want to hear it, or let's talk about my needs. Hmm. So we'll come back to anxiety. Yes. In maybe a general sense. Okay. Um, and just discuss the different experiences, the different ways that we we experience anxiety. I know we've had previous podcasts about where we feel it in the body Mm -hmm. because it can be different for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and we've always talked too in a lot of the podcasts around um, feeling other people's anxiety and not knowing when it's yours and when it's theirs. Right. So the importance, you know, I've given this example in the past of, of showing up at work and having had anxiety maybe all morning while I'm doing, you know, your, or you, I'll say you as the listener, you're doing your morning routine. Mm-hmm. So maybe you love your morning routine of your coffee with your partner or with your dog or your walk in the morning, but you have anxiety now and you can't quite place it. Maybe there's no real reason for it. Or maybe there is, but it's not, it shouldn't be quite at this level. And you get to work and you say to a coworker who you might think, oh, they're behaving like they have anxiety. They're cranky. And you say something to them along the lines of, are you okay this morning? And they say, yeah, I'm fine. So if they, if they don't divulge that they're the ones with the anxiety, then you keep feeling it. You're trying to place it somewhere. And in placing it, it quite often allows you to let it go. Mm-hmm. It, and that, that is a fact. So some people might say, well, that right there doesn't make sense. Well, if it doesn't make sense, then you're not the one that's empathic. <laughs> you're not the one that's got this situation. So just listen so that you can be a better friend to someone else. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just going to reiterate what you're saying in different words. Okay. Th- what we're talking about is a demand for more authentic conversations. Right. Because if I'm experiencing anxiety, but it doesn't make sense to my own life, that means I've had to become a good observer of my own life in order to evaluate if there is a cause for what I'm feeling. Yes. And then when you and I step into work together or we're out for a walk together and you say, so what's new? How are you? I need to be able to say I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety. So there has to be someone who's willing to initiate those conversations. And perhaps that's when you say, oh, that might be mine. I've had a rough morning. So we can now go back and forth and hopefully make sense of where where it's actually coming from. And this can be a really big issue because say you have a coworker who has lost a spouse and they're grieving and they have anxiety just getting up every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they've lost a child or something. Um, then if you're empathic, this is going to be a big deal for you because they're going to go through that grieving maybe for months or years. And so you now have to be able to figure out how you're going to cope with a coworker's constant state of anxiety. You know, I remember part-time jobs, uh, well, God, I'm still in them, um, where the company policy was you leave your personal life at the door. Right. And I remember being so furious with that for mm-hmm. specifically the reason that you're bringing up yep. grief, oh, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. You don't just get to walk through a doorway and say, okay, that part of me doesn't exist right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll equate that to your gifts. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to walk through a particular doorway and decide it doesn't exist for you anymore. Mm-hmm. That you're now someone else to serve another person's purpose. Mm-hmm. You're a whole person. Mm-hmm. And we're asking those around you to also be whole people so that we can experience this human existence together. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an authentic teamwork. Some people in, in work environments want teamwork, but say leave all of your own personal stuff outside of it. That's not teamwork. You that's, don't... that's a contradiction. Right. How can you then bring all of your strengths mm-hmm. to the table if you're not allowed to be all of who you are? Mm-hmm. Um. Here's another aspect of it is that some people have these levels of anxiety out of perfectionism. Mm. Um, And 
I'm not just going to say in a work environment, some people feel their bodies have to look perfect. Mm -hmm. Some people get anxiety over if their manicures aren't done. Yep. Some people have anxiety if they don't walk out the door and their hair isn't perfect. Some people that their relationships aren't perfect. Yeah. Or that if they go to work, they're so hypersensitive to criticism Mm -hmm. because of their need to feel or to look or to be perceived as being perfect. Mm -hmm. So if they're at their desk and they have to, you know, someone comes in and drops something on their desk, a piece of paper, and it's not where it should be in that file or in that tray, if it's not there, it creates anxiety. Can I interject? Mm -hmm. Because I think some people might listen to this and feel frustrated. Like, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just like, you know, do everything that they need so I don't trigger their perfectionism? Mm. You have more options. And this is where I love to talk about questions. Mm -hmm. So if you are the person that has to go deliver the piece of paper that may or may not trigger the anxiety, you could knock on the door and say, hi, I have something for you. Where would you like me to put it? Yeah. And that person has the opportunity to take it from your hand and then place it where they need to. Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying communicate and that communication allows choice and that in the choice, they don't have to still have control, but that they can start seeing choices and that helps them come out of the anxiety and the need to control that it has to go in the tray. Mm-hmm. Then they can see that, oh, Like you said, I can hold it. I can decide later and walk around with it. I can ask them to put it someplace. Mm -hmm. I can be willy-nilly this morning and let them put it anywhere. And let's see how I do with that. Mm -hmm. Let's see how how I manage my own anxiety. If they put it where they want to, can I be creative? Can I be playful? Can we take this into the home environment? Yeah. Because this is cool that we're doing a lot of work related things and I and hopefully that's fantastic because it creates better teams Mm -hmm. but you're a team with your partner Mm -hmm. uh, and your children right Mm -hmm. and I think about you you know you're saying can I be willy-nilly this morning and and (laughs) see how it goes yeah I feel that way every time I walk into the kitchen oh with Eric (laughs) and it's like some days I don't know if I can function in the kitchen with him and some days it's so fun and easy And, but the two of us know that, that we have different routines and different ways of doing things. And so there's a check-in of, can I be here today? Yeah. And we will both, I have to do that evaluation on my own. And sometimes it's as I go. Sometimes it changes 10 minutes in, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I have to be able to say, I can't be in the kitchen right now. (laughs) I'm going on the deck with my coffee. Yes. And, (laughs) And, but you know what? Sometimes it's not abandoning those those jobs, I'll say, I'm going to take my cutting board and go to the dining room table Yeah, and create my own space so that I can still get the task done that we're working toward together. Right. Right. But I've created a different space for myself. Yeah. Or he'll say, you know what? I've got it under control and I don't want you in the kitchen today. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to stand there and think, okay, not going to take that as a criticism. That's just where he's at. So what can I enjoy in the next 25 minutes while he's prepping food? Mm. Right. So there's, mm-hmm. there's better questions to ask my own self instead of being insulted by his needs. Right. Right. Because he may be feeling raw when I'm not. And mm-hmm. so we kind of reevaluate what, what we can both do to get the job done and still respect each other's space and physical body. 
Okay. And I'm going to now add the layer of intuitiveness to it. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about, uh, I'll say, two normal, regular human beings functioning at one level. I think I might be insulted by being (laughs) called regular. (laughs) Okay. And now we're going to add the layer. choose to be over it. Yeah. Now we're going to add the the layer of when people are intuitive. Yes. And this does really happen at home because these are the people we love. And we do want to hit a deeper level of connectivity with them than coworkers. Although that's not always true. Some people have beautiful work relationships work that are intuitive, intuitive with coworkers. So then yeah. we'll throw in our Grey's Anatomy um, plug <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll talk about Richard and Miranda. Yeah. So the intuitive aspect of the inner knowings. Mm-hmm of just following your gut if you have to pick up your cutting board and your pepper and your knife and your cup of coffee and move to the dining room table Mm -hmm. because intuitively you pick up that that person needs something Mm -hmm. that's what makes the partnerships grow to deeper levels Mm -hmm. this is where we feel loved this is where we feel safe Mm -hmm. this is where communication is telepathic because of the intuitiveness. And if we don't follow that with the other person, if we don't follow that inner gut, that's when we can feel anxiety mm-hmm. again. But this time in our own home. Right. And again, we're always going to come back to that we have to be willing to communicate it and to be truthful. Mm-hmm. So if I just use you and Eric as that example for just a second, yeah. and I'm just making this one up, but say now you're back in that situation in the kitchen. And you intuitively, or by how you feel, want to pick up and move, you might be the one feeling the anxiety in that moment. But it actually could be Eric's anxiety that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. So if you then say, well, I've moved over here. Um, Do you happen to have a little bit of anxiety? Yes, I do. (laughs) And if he says that, and he says to you, I have uh, an interview this afternoon, or I have an audition, or I have five people coming in and I have to teach, and I've got two clients that I drive me crazy, then you can go, okay. I don't think you made this up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to use all kinds of examples so that that people can listen to that and go, okay, these are the things that make sense to me. But if you have a partner that doesn't understand any of those things, send them this podcast mm-hmm. so they, they can listen to it or s- ask your dad, ask someone that might not even ever have been open to any of these conversations just to sit down for a moment and listen to something like this and not have to take it in the sense of it's all science fiction, prove it, whatever kind of a way. Never mind that conversation. How about just in a conversation of can we love each other and connect kind of way? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to ha- be that, oh my God, these people are intuitives and I don't believe in any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not provable. We don't have to go into those conversations. Provable. Oh, I, I think I might want to look that up. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I could be wrong. <laughs> but okay, so I'm just going to keep going for a second and you can do that. It's just that we're trying to talk about what love is. We're trying to talk about what communication is and that communication and love and connectivity are vibrational. Mm-hmm. They truly are. And it, it is all scientifically proven, by the way. But that's, that, that's another conversation that's also enjoyable. And I think, and maybe I'm just reiterating in different words, the desire to connect has to be bigger 
or stronger than the desire to disprove someone. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Because to the desire to disprove somebody is controlling. Yeah. It's 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 an a power over situation instead of I love you situation. And it will, I want to connect with you situation. I value you situation. I see you situation. I hear you situation. I want to be a part of your life situation. So sips of sanity plug. If you want to go back into the archives, uh, we mm-hmm. did an entire month on I know I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that uh, can illustrate even more points if you're wanting more resources after this podcast. And I brought all that up, Kelly, because of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because anxiety is created when we don't feel those necessary things. You, we've said this in other podcasts, which you always enjoy bringing up. The two things we all need. Safety and love. And how anxiety is triggered when we don't feel those two fundamental things. So if you have a lack of that on a day-to-day basis in your key relationships, then your anxiety is always going to sit there at a constant level, even if it's always just humming at a three out of 10. I find life fascinating because, and here's my human moment, I I can know all these things, I can talk about all these things, and understand them all and some days I'm right here as a partner with you on the podcast and other days I feel like a student and I like that feeling and I hope people hear that because as professionals yourselves we can step into or kind of wrap our identity around what we do and feel like we should know things and never feel like we're a student to the same lesson. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, when you were talking, I just felt like, oh, I'm learning it all over again. I feel like that every day. I It's such a good feeling because that aha moment comes back. Yeah. And it's fresh and it feels energized that you can go ahead and implement again. Mm-hmm. Always. I think I was trying to say thank you Aww. for being a constant teacher. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. You're welcome. And there I was saying I feel the very same. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I do too. It, uh, it's... Oh, I just felt the infinity. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that lovely? Mm-hmm. And that's love. That's what makes us feel safe. That's what makes us feel both of those things that are inter- integral. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we go to global situations quickly, yeah. because, you know, I don't know the, how much I want to stay on that global situation. This is May 3rd, yes, 2017. And the global situation is, um, I'll say, fairly healthy in Canada. Um, Excuse me. If we go outside of just our North Bay area to a bigger one, so Ontario perhaps, on Canada perhaps. But if we look outside of that, again, globally, to maybe North America or the whole planet, we have a lot of things that are happening here that are happening I'll say within the humans themselves, then we have the things that are happening amongst the earth and the animals and the ecosystem. And then we have things that are happening amongst the planets Mm -hmm. and the moon and how we are being thrown around (laughs) in a galaxy spinning all the time. So there, again, are all of these different layers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're empathic, 
you will feel and every human's empathic, but we and we are connected to all of those layers. So we are connected to the rest of North Bay, to the rest of Ontario, to the rest of Canada, to the rest of North America, to the rest of the planet, to the animals, to the eco- ecosystem and to the universe, and to everything spinning out there. And we are connected in all of those layers. So if any of those other layers have anxiety, which we know the planet Earth does. <laughs> Shifts, disruptions. Yes. Then we are also feeling those layers of anxiety. I, I'm trying to throw out, throw out more tools because this podcast yeah. will only last so long. There's, If you go into Coffee with the Sarlos under archives, you can look up where in the world. I don't remember what number of or what episode it was but it's called where in the world oh and we we talked about world events and how we feel them oh so it goes into explaining how we pick up on them yeah which i think will help a lot of people who are sitting in this podcast going oh my god that's me yeah to understand what your body's going through and what your brain is going through especially during sleep because i know that that's a whole other topic we could talk about yeah when you wake up and feel broken when you were supposedly just resting and you're supposed to wake up feeling refreshed yeah. and you wake up feeling like you can't, like you're not in your body or that you can't put one foot in front of the other like we've been talking about. Yes. You may be feeling the missiles that were launched into the ocean. Oh, I sat in a restaurant and screamed earthquake to Denise and the earthquake was in another country. And yet I'm sitting on Arugula on Fisher Street in North Bay, Ontario, Canada and this earthquake was happening in another country, and I'm screaming earthquake. That was just a little example for yeah. people listening to this, so that they and and then what do I do? I'm going to finish that. Sorry. Then what do I do? Denise tells me the earthquake is not in Earth Bay, and that I'm okay. She reached across the table and held both my hands and said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "I need a minute." Exit Karen to the washroom, where I sit on a toilet, just sitting there breathing might take a glass of water or some water in my hands and know that I'm safe, that I'm loved, and the earthquake wasn't right here so that I can just take a moment. So first of all, acknowledgement, care, breathing, taking a moment. A friend who doesn't tell me I'm crazy or dismiss me or ignore me, but validates it and allows me to sit in it, asks me what I need. All of these things take me out of my levels of anxiety. I walk later that day. I need nature. Can I continue? Yeah. I need good food. I can't take caffeine that day. Mm. So I'm trying to throw different things out there for people as the tools in the toolkit. I needed to go on the internet and figure out where that earthquake was to know that it was where the guides told me it was. I needed the affirmation. And if I can't get it that way, I might ask for nature to give me a different kind of affirmation. I'm just trying to throw out piles of different tools. Can I toss one in there? Yes. And this is something I think when when people come to see us and don't know what to do with themselves in these situations, one of the biggest things that you can do is choose to send love to this place. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm using your your example of the earthquake because a lot of a lot of people sit in the anxiety and then just get anxious about will there be another one what will i do mm-hmm. how will i function how are they functioning and we choose to hold a space of anxiety or or constant anxiety because we've lo- we know we're not in control 
I like what you did because you gave people back a sense of control by giving them an action to take, which is yeah. to send love. And and very difficult in the moment. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that one. Sometimes we can't find a thing that gives us the feeling of love when we're in the middle of anxiety. And that's where there's there has to be tremendous effort on your part to envision, to visualize someone or something that creates that feeling in you that you can then essentially send energetically to that space or that those people that are suffering sending love is something that like you said is actionable Mm -hmm. and it creates a sense of control a good a good type of control where you know you hear about classrooms that are trying to meditate and global meditations to send love to certain areas and that there have been studies that after global or these these localized meditations mm-hmm. uh, crime is reduced mm-hmm. and anger and bullying in the classroom is reduced this is something that you can do on an individual level knowing that all these other empaths around the world are doing the same thing as you so there's a collective consciousness that's working to send love I love it because you're you're talking all about my favorite things to talk about now, which is the energy part and all of the other things we don't talk about in, on the show so much, the studies and the scientific stuff mm-hmm. um, that, pr- that prove all of those things. Mm-hmm. So examples, I loved Picture Parker's face. The day that I picked him out with you, uh, the day that, well, same day. He kissed me for the first time. Oh, your first kiss. And (laughs) the moment, and this is going to be a little bit funny, but the moment that I was holding him and realized he had poo on his fur. And I remember thinking like, I, I, he felt like my kid. Like I didn't care. We would just take the poo off and wash him. That'd be fine. And I loved him so much. The little nose. I can hold that memory in my mind so clearly, no matter what I'm going through, that no matter how bad the anxiety is, you know, 15 out of 10 some days, breaking the scale, I can picture that moment and feel total peace. I can feel purpose. I can feel connected. Uh, and, and the big picture. I just realized that there will be some people listening to this and don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And that they, they won't know what they could think of that makes them feel that calm or that safe or that loved. Can we throw out more examples? I then? think we need to okay. because this could be a meltdown point for some people where the, all of a sudden they have a clear moment of understanding that when they do feel their anxiety and their panic attacks that they or a depression, that they don't know what that go-to is. So yes, I think we we should throw a lot of examples out so that they can grab that now and create one. Okay. And they're going to be very random and probably not even look connected. Is that Oh, good? yes. And I've got some I want to throw in too that have worked for me. First off, I'm going to go back to a recent podcast that we did and I'm going to throw out your teddy bear uh, or your blankie or whatever your childhood um, metaphoric safety blanket was where you felt so much love and safety connected to this item that made you feel safe at night, made you feel safe in your home. That can be enough of a feeling or a memory of the texture, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The routine, maybe the way that you spoke to it or that you felt that it spoke back to you. That can bring you that much peace and comfort as an adult. Or you may need to go buy one. 
Oh, I've I you may need to yeah. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you may need Okay, I point taken. <laughs> you may need to go buy and other people. They may need to go buy something new. Because sometimes the memory of that might get attached to other hurtful memories that trip into other things. Mm-hmm. So if you have that memory of that teddy bear, but then all of a sudden shitty memories come tagging along with it because it's like a, like a Rubik's Cube. You, you, you can't move one without a whole bunch of other mm. shit coming with it. Mm. You might need to create a brand new feeling with something new. So you might need to go to a dog shelter um, or uh, an animal, uh, not an animal hospital, a humane society um, and create a new feeling if, say, the pet that you loved has now died. And so that the feeling of that when you think of that pet, yes, you feel love, but now you also feel f- sadness and crying. So right. the anxiety gets worse. Right. So you may need something brand new. So I just want to throw out when you throw something, I want to add to sure. it. Yeah. So you may need a new experience. And I don't mean you have to go get a new pet, but you might need a new teddy bear. You might need a new blankie. Right. And you could be 50 years old and still going out and getting a new teddy bear or a new blankie. Okay. Uh, is that Or 29. Or 29, <laughs> Kelly Sarlo. Or, or you could bring one to a nursing home. Mm. You could bring one to somebody who's in their 80s or 90s. Or, or what, you know, sometimes when people lose a partner, we think, let's go and get them a puppy. Um, because we want them to have that new falling in love and a new feeling again. Right. We're trying to recreate something, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to throw out an experience then because, and you and I just talked about this and I'm, I'm going to probably talk about two of them and maybe people will laugh at this, but maybe you can draw your own parallel. Uh, the total love and connected feeling I get when I'm at, when I'm listening to Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. I I can't describe it. It's just this feeling of a heart burst uh, that, I don't know, it, it just does something for me that kind of hits the reset button, gives me hope again for life, gives me confidence back for myself. It's it's the voice, it's the song, it's the, it's the lyrics, it's everything that I need. And so if I can give myself that feeling when he goes on tour every couple of years, then I... I make that experience possible for myself. It is something that I prioritize to save up for uh, and and give to myself. It's a feeling. Yes. That's what we want when we have experiences. We yeah. give ourselves a certain kind of feeling. So I make sure in the summertime that I take my chair, my book, Parker, um, and I or a journal, and I go to Family Beach on Trout Lake or Lake Nipissing because we have two beautiful lakes in this city and I make sure that I sit there Mm -hmm. and that I don't rush myself out that I have to run home to see a client or get something done that I go there where time is not important and that I make sure that I really enjoy looking at the lake and the islands that I enjoy watching Parker run in and out of the water and what is what he looks like when he's coming towards me mm-hmm. and what he looks like when he's going out and I see the back of his head. His cute little butt. <laughs> yeah. That I watch myself I, and I feel what it's like to throw his toy into the water. His floating red, yeah. white and little thing that bobs uh, that looks like a lighthouse. A lighthouse. Uh, and what it looks like on a calm day, what it looks like on a wavy day what Parker looks like when he's jumping into the waves 
what it looks like when I can't see his little head <laughs> as he's coming in. Mm-hmm. And I, I sit there and I enjoy the feeling of the sun. The sound. The sound. I pay attention to all six of my senses when I'm on the beach. Mm-hmm. So that when I have moments of the anxiety or the anxiousness, or I hear a world event is occurring, um, that I go back to the six senses. I smell what the sand is like. I hear what the waves are like. I feel what the sun is like. I feel and smell Parker. Mm-hmm. What what dog smells like. So I want to engage my brain and my body again in all six of those senses. You brought up music. I want to add something to it. Mm-hmm. I listen to Anugama every day for at least seven years now. And I listen to that song in all kinds of moods, but I make sure that I listen to it as I'm falling asleep, when I wake up, when I'm journeying. I listen to it all the time in all situations. And it's to the point now that as soon as I hear the first bar or two, I can go from a 9 out of 10 to a 5 out of 10 Mm -hmm. and down to a 3 out of 10 because my brain has trained itself and my whole central nervous system So that as soon as I hear even the first bar or two, I can calm myself down, even if my thoughts can't. Mm -hmm. My central nervous system is patterned to know what to do as soon as it hears that. And I remember listening to Jim Lennox talk about it in the opposite way with the military, where they would play certain music to gear the troops up to go into battle, to go in, get them revved up, boom, 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 get the hearts going so they'll attack. Mm -hmm. So music can do the opposite, pick something, listen to it repeatedly so that you practice what you can do to breathe through it, to bring yourself from a 10 to a Mm 9. Sometimes people are grateful from going from a 10 to a 9. I raise my hand. And and, And that is significant to measure that so that when you go from the 10 to the 8, you feel progress because sometimes anxiety can occur if we can't get ourselves from a 10 to a zero. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is a different one as well. Uh, can I go? Yeah. I love picturing writing cards for people, putting a stamp on them and sending them in the mail. And for the days, the three days that it typically takes to reach the person I sent the card to, I have this giddy feeling of anticipation <laughs> when I have, when I know they're going to open something that I've put love into. Mm-hmm. I, the anticipation of someone seeing and feeling my love is such a good feeling for me <laughs> that sometimes I just picture people opening my cards. Yeah. Maybe someone will say that's narcissistic. I'm not sure. But it's the feeling I get as I'm writing and expressing what this person means to me or what I'm hoping for them, if it's a birthday card, uh, all kinds of different reasons, if it's a gratitude card, or just thinking of you, that anticipatory feeling of saying I love you and the person seeing the words and then feeling it is just is enough to make me feel like I have purpose. And in those moments of anxiety, I can go from my 10 to my nine. That is not narcissistic. Okay, perfect. Clearly. And I think that's something else about panic and anxiety is that we need to hear the truth Mm -hmm. and that we need to hear it commanding with with a commanding voice. 
Um, and that's why we that's why we go to therapy, because the therapist is going to be a commanding voice. Well, let's hope so. Yes, we're just going to assume this is a good therapist. Okay, because mm-hmm. we, we know just like every other profession, there is and there are, there are and there aren't. But we're just going to make assumptions about a healthy person. Mm-hmm. So a healthy counselor, or whatever, we're just going to use that in a broad term, because there's all different levels, is someone that gives you that with certainty. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we need when we have anxiety is truth is the truth. Even if it creates momentary increased anxiety. Oh, Kelly, thank you. Yeah, because you may need to hear the anxiety of and that's why some people don't want to come to see us because they're going to hear the truth and they think it's going to give them anxiety. Yes, it may. It may give them short term anxiety, but guaranteed there will be tools with it. And that's why this show is important because you're hearing that you also get tools Mm -hmm. and the tools are what bring us outside of anxiety because let's like, this is life. We are human beings. Animals have anxiety. Everything has anxiety. It's not that we are trying to live a life free of it. It's that we have to have the tools to cope with it and to come out of it, Mm -hmm. to deal with it, to live with it. And some people have anxiety trying not to get anxiety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to say thank you uh, on a public forum because you did something for me uh, in implementing a tool when I couldn't. Mm. In the middle of a panic attack on Sunday this week mm. when my body was experiencing paralysis, mm-hmm. I couldn't respond to you when you were talking to me. Mm-hmm. So my, my verbal skills were also not there as well as the, as the rest of my, my limbs. You asked me what I needed. And when I couldn't respond, you said, do you want to go back to a memory? And I could shake my head. I think probably just millimeters. And you know me well enough to know what those memories are for me. So mm-hmm. what we've just talked about. Mm-hmm. You set the scene for me. You verbally walked me through and helped me visualize Parker on the beach, Mm -hmm. jumping into the waves, going after that lighthouse and everything that you've just talked about so that I had someone almost like a guided conscious meditation Mm -hmm. where I had to put myself in that situation when I forgot that it was a tool in my own back pocket. Right. And that's where the authentic conversations, if we're coming, if we're taking this full circle, are so important. Because if your person truly is your person, then they know what your important memories are. They know what your good triggers are. And so when you become so paralyzed that you can't ask for what you need, they're there to remind you and and implement with you. Yes. And I learned that from Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was having panic attacks, uh, back when he was in high school and the conversation that he needed, he'd say, just talk, mom, just talk to me. And he was, he had severe ones to the point of being hospitalized for them mm-hmm. and, uh, went into full paralysis where he expelled so much potassium he'd seize and go into a fetal position. And there, there, his friends know this, they were there for him. They learned what to do for him. So, um, what I wanted to say is he he taught me that his conversation, his place of comfort was stats. Mm-hmm. He loves sports. He wanted to talk and all about what teams there were. And 
uh, my God, if anybody knows me, they know what kind of a panic that would throw me into <laughs> because I don't know anything about sports. So I had to find out. Mm-hmm. As his mom, it became my job to figure out what teams he liked and, and what the stats were. Or even enough to ask him about his favorite teams so that he could try and speak and breathe. So that the breathing could become, because breathing and talking creates a sense of if he liked what he was talking about and he could think about those teams. I talk about Tom Brady. I talk about the football game. Because for him to think about Tom Brady throwing the football was something that made him happy. It made him relaxed. It brought him to his happiest place. I, you know what? I think this is so cool because Andrew doesn't have football dreams to be a a football player or anything like that. But I think about Tom Brady sitting in his home, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure a lot of people think his life is perfect and probably never envisioning that his life and his purpose was somebody else's place. Yeah. To take them out of panic. He probably thinks he's got a different job and his big purpose could be alleviating anxiety for a 17 year old boy. Yeah. Why does that make me want to cry? Oh, me too. (laughs) You know, this is something, and I talked about this because I had a part-time serving job not too long ago. um, And I was talking about, you know, leaving and moving on to my purpose and the girl that I was working with she was so beautiful and we were just on the same page. She just said, you know, I've thought about leaving so many times. She's been in the industry since she was like 16. And she just said, but I have my regular clients who come in and they love to see me. And she's, she's jumped from, you know, different places in in the city just because of closures and everything. And the people come and find her in her new restaurants just to check in on her and ask how her kids are doing mm-hmm. and to be served by her. Mm-hmm. And she creates a sense of safety and peace for them as a Mm -hmm. server Mm -hmm. and I don't think people think about that Mm -hmm. that just seeing a familiar face that serves you food can be something that makes you feel like you're going to be okay Mm -hmm. that you're taken care of Mm -hmm. and she said I think my purpose is just making people happy while they eat Mm -hmm. and I thought well isn't that perfect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we're talking about engaging all six senses We're talking about creating the memories and inviting people who don't have any or feel that they don't have any because, you know, when you're in the panic attack, it's like your brain throws them all in a garbage can, puts the lid on and says, nah, 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 nah. Good luck. You can't have them. (laughs) It's like your brain goes into a withholding mode so that you can't have the things that you, you know are there that you might create. So that's why you might need to reach out to somebody you might need to voice record them so that you can hear your own voice talking to you so say you're a single person say or maybe you are married and your your spouse is never going to be your person and that's true for many people they're not you might need to take out a voice recorder on your phone and record talking to yourself through a panic attack Mm -hmm. you may need to say um i love i'm at the beach I'm I'm throwing the toy out. I can feel the heat of the sun. You might need to record something for yourself mm-hmm. in your own voice so that you can hear that when you're going through your own panic attack. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a classroom or sitting on a city bus and you all of a sudden everybody's closing in on you, but you got to do this every day. You might need to, that's why people might put their headphones on and listen to the music that takes them there. Mm-hmm. Or 
a guided meditation that you write or talk yourself through mm -hmm. that means something for yourself when the music can't do it for you anymore. You might need to hear your own voice or your, or your favorite person's voice. Morgan Freeman. I remember, <laughs> yeah, and I remember after my dad died, um, I found a voice recorder. Oh, I remember. Yeah. And I found a little tape and I wanted to hear his voice again. And I remember in dreams, I wanted to see him again and I wanted to hear his voice again. And I think that's something or a reason why people come to see us as mediums because we we need to hear maybe their voice one more time and or know they're around us one more time or a hundred more times mm -hmm. <laughs> or a thousand more times or every single day to take us out of that anxiety and and that can be done other people might say it can't but they don't know they're saying that to have control over you again to deny you something that will help you heal. So take what you need to heal and create those things for yourself. Give yourself permission to do it. Don't ask someone else if you're allowed to or if they believe you're allowed to. Oh, good pep talk. Oh, good. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to close? Sure. Um, first of all, if you're in experiencing this and this was a big show for you, Know that Kelly and I feel your energy too, and that we are that person for a lot of other people, and that we offer that, we extend that. People reach out to us energetically when they're feeling that way. So I'll say that before I say, if you have any questions or any comments, please email us at info at bysarlo.com. And to thank you for joining Kelly and I today in this conversation about becoming healthier whole people. We'll talk to you next week.